reading is taken from John chapter 14 and it's verses 22 to 31. John chapter 14 verses 22 to 31. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Let us pray. Father God, it is our longing this morning that we may know you, know who you are as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray that, Lord, our hearts will cling so closely to your word that you open our hearts to truly listen to you and give us the desire to obey you and to love you. We pray this for the glory and praise of your holy name. Amen. <clears throat> Anyone who has been in a distant relationship will know this. That there, are, there is some level of knowledge and personal intimacy that we miss when we are physically separated from each other. If you have a partner who lives miles away from you, or you are considering marriage with someone who um, is far away from you, you would have known this experience better. People's physical presence brings to us an opportunity to know them and to enjoy their personal intimacy. And we miss a lot when they are physically separated from us. You know, this is true 
in all kinds of relationship, whether in the family or in normal friendship. But can this be the case with Jesus when he was physically withdrawn from his disciples? Did they miss anything significant as a result of his departure? Is there something we have missed in our knowledge of him as a result of his physical withdrawal from the world? In the passage we are looking at, the context is Jesus is about to withdraw his physical presence from the world. And his disciples are deeply troubled in heart. It has implications for the world too. You know, that means the world will no longer see him. All the privileges the world has enjoyed when Jesus was around are all coming to an end. But also his departure raises questions for the disciples. How is that going to affect their relationship with Jesus? You see, in verses 15 to 21 of this chapter, the one we just read, um, we see Jesus spelling out the new dimension in which his relationship with the world is going to look like. He's going to be present in the world, but this time through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. But on what basis is the Holy Spirit going to be given? And Jesus says, only to those who love him and keep his word. Jesus is going to be present in the world, but only in the lives of those who love him and keep his word. And so while some people will experience Jesus and enjoy his fellowship, others will not have this privilege. Now Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas, he hears these teachings of Christ and he is perplexed. And he asks Jesus, Lord, how is that possible? How is it that you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? How can some people see you in the world, but others can't? You know, this is the question our passage poses to us. Why is Jesus' presence in the world so exclusive to some, but not inclusive to all? And here is our first point. The relationship Jesus is offering this time is very unique and deeply personal. Verses 23 to 24. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my ways or he will obey my teachings. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We hear the promise in the second line of the sentence, don't we? It's very unique and deeply personal. The promise of the father and the son coming to make their home with his disciples. You see, the imagery equivalent to this picture is is that of the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple. God coming down in his glory to dwell with his people and to draw them into fellowship with himself. 
You see, this is the kind of relationship Jesus is offering as he's about to depart from the world. Very unique and deeply intimate. But we see the condition also, don't we? It's for those who love him and keep his teachings. You know, this is why it's so exclusive. You see, it's not like before when Jesus was in the world and people saw him and heard his word and just ignored him. That time is gone forever. You know, this time he says his self-manifestation is only for those who love him and revere his word. People who hear the word and believe it and respond to it in loving obedience. Those are the people who will see Jesus. You know, later Peter reflects, you know, um, the response of the believers that he was writing to in 1 Peter 1 8. You don't have to look at it. And he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You see, when Jesus left the world, his relationship with the world is now going to depend on how you respond to his word, how you respond to his teaching. And what does that say about Jesus' words? You know, Jesus wants his words to be taken with all seriousness. And we see the reason. Um, If you look back to verse 10 of this chapter we just read, Jesus says that his words do not come from his own authority, but from the authority of his father. And in verse 24 of the passage we just read, again he says, the source of his word is from the father who sent him. And so the words of Jesus are not mere words. They are words given to him by the father. That is why people's response to Jesus' word matter. It matters because it shows how we treat him and his father. And so Jesus says to Judas that the reason why the world will not see him first because it doesn't accept his word. The world doesn't accept Jesus' words. And it is this acceptance, you know, like when, the, when people accept the words of Christ, that is how the Holy Spirit comes to us. That is how we get to see the Holy Spirit. And, so, and the world doesn't accept his word, and so the world can't receive the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, Jesus' manifestation to the world, as he just said, is exclusively limited only to those who will receive his word, and as a result of that reception, you know, get access to the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the promise, the way he, he explains the nature of the coming. In the person of the Holy Spirit coming to dwell with you and in you, Jesus has come, the Father has come to draw us into intimate fellowship with himself. But though it is exclusive, if you look at the first, the condition, it is open to anyone. 
if anyone loves me. No, the relationship Jesus is, offer, is offering is exclusive, but he says it is open to anyone. Anyone who will love him, anyone whose heart responds to his word is obedience to him. You know, when John, again, was reflecting on this fellowship that the apostles, the disciples, have come to enjoy with the Father and the Son as a result of their reception of God's word. And um, he says in 1 John 1, 3, that, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may come to share the fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. You see, when we hear the gospel and we believe, we too are brought into this fellowship. Fellowship with the Father, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, fellowship with the Father, fellowship with the Son, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so, um, yeah, through the Holy Spirit given to us, we have come to experience this um, communion with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But that is not enough. You know, after we have come to, to receive this presence of the Holy Spirit, that is not enough. We continue to express our love for Jesus as we keep his word, as we keep his teachings. And we know that we, we, we have failed, you know, we failed more, you know, all, like all the time in terms of our obedience to Christ's word. But the point is, whenever we walk away from the word, whenever we disobey God's word, whenever we, you know, we fail in any area of our obedience to the word of Christ, our heart response should always be coming back to him in repentance and faith, coming back to God and asking him to forgive us and asking him to, you know, restore our relationship with him. That is how we can enjoy his communion. That is how we can enjoy the fellowship that he has brought us, um, you know, into. You know, as I was preparing this, you know, one thing that struck me um, in my own experiences, you know, as old Christians, you know, Christians who are older in the Lord, it's so easy for us to drift away from love for Jesus in terms of what we do for him to just you know, making our service a more, you know, more of a duty. You know, Jesus is saying that we must love him. You know, the way we express our love for him is us, we obey him. And that gives us the motivation, that the motivation for obedience should be that of love. And that is one thing that normally, like when you become old Christians, we, 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 we easily drift from that mode of serving Jesus out of love to just serving him out of duty. And, you know, that is, that is a kind of like a rebuke Jesus is showing us here in this passage. The motivation he wants us, you know, he wants to drive our hearts in our service of him should be that of love, loving him. Um, the second point that I want us to see is we have the words of Jesus through the apostolic-inspired writings, um, which is verse 25 to 31. 
You see, um, back earlier in verses 22 to 24, if the relationship Jesus is offering, the relationship with the Father, the relationship with the Son, if that relationship is dependent on our obedience to his word, then the logical question is, how do we get access to his words, the teachings of Christ? How can we have those words and believe them that through our obedience we too can come into this fellowship, this fellowship with the Father and this fellowship with the Son. Um, and then, if, um, the, I mean, from the, the verse, verse 25 to 20, um, 26, it reads that um, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, the coming of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, is so that he would remind the apostles, he would help them to bring into their memory all his words, all the teachings that he has taught them. And that gives us an indication that Jesus wants his word to be heard in every generation. It wasn't for just the apostles. So part of the Holy Spirit's work is to come and remind them, bring everything to mind, teach them to really understand those teachings well, so that as we, in later generations, we get to hear those ways, we too are given the opportunity to respond to his word and to be drawn into that fellowship with him. And so, with the words of Jesus, you know, some people think that um, this, this, this particular verse, um, Jesus is referring to like all Christians. Um, but I think he's specifically speaking to the apostles because they have received the words of Jesus and he wants them to rem- remember everything so that they can pass it on. And fortunately, we have the words written down for us in the Gospels. And so when we, when we open the Gospels, when we open the apostolic teachings, we, 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 you know, we, we have access to the ways of the Father. We have access to the ways of Jesus. And so what does that mean for us? And here are some few reflections that I've made. That it means that every time we hear the apostolic message, the message of Christ, as taught us by the apostles, we get to hear the invitation of Jesus for the relationship that he's promising to everyone. The invitation to come into holy communion with him and his father. And that is what we do when we share the gospel with our brothers, with our friends, with our siblings, with people that we know in our workplaces. Every time we share the gospel with people, we give them that invitation to respond to the words of Jesus and through his words come to also share the fellowship that we have come to receive from um, the apostles. And then um, finally, the the, the last point that I want us to say is rejoice that Jesus is in heaven and let the world see your love for him. Verse 27 to 31. You know, when Jesus told his disciples that he was about to depart, they were deeply troubled, and they were not happy. But what did Jesus tell them? 
You know, he said, be at peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. You know, the, the point is, you know, after Jesus' departure, there is something more important, significant coming. The disciples are going to be drawn into fellowship with the Father, fellowship with the Son. And that, that is good news. It's not something that's, that is to be worried of. Jesus' physical withdrawal was so that every single person could be welcome into fellowship with the Father and fellowship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that, according to Jesus, he says they should, they should rejoice in the fact that he's, he's departing, he's leaving. And we also know that when Jesus was leaving, he was leaving to reunite with his Father. He was leaving to, to be enthroned as king of God's universe. And if we really love him, that should be our joy. The joy to know that our Lord Jesus is in heaven reigning as Lord and King. And Jesus actually says it, that if we really love him, then we should rejoice that he's even departing. We know that he'll come and take us to be with us, um, to be with him. But the fact that Jesus is away from us doesn't mean that we have lost something. The physical withdrawal of Jesus doesn't take anything from us in terms of our relationship with him. And if we look at the, you know, the last verses um, of this passage, Jesus says something that, that is very significant. That when he was here on earth, his whole life was committed to obeying the commands of his father. He gave himself to the will of his father in obedience to all that he did. And Jesus is telling us as if he wants us to see the model of how he wants us to live for him. That we too can live or should live for Jesus in a way that the world will see that we love him. And that is the challenge for us. That as we live our life, as we show our love for Jesus, the world will see that indeed we love Jesus. And I want to end on that note. That how is the world through our life seeing our heart's relationship with Jesus? When the world sees the way we live, do they see that we love Jesus? And that is a reflection that I want, us, I want us to focus on. Let's pray. Father, we, we are grateful to you for your word. We pray that, Lord, you would help us to love you. We pray that, Lord, our hearts longing will be to love Jesus and to know him more well. Please help us, we pray, for Christ's sake. Amen.